Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Now, the acts of the sinful nature, by the way, all of this is inside of us. Well, they're obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies. Now, as you read that list this morning, you went, praise God, Pastor Mark, I don't have any of those things in me. Well, Paul's not done. Look at the next thing. And the like, and the like. We like to think that we're pretty good people, don't we? (laughs) We don't break any major laws. Don't ask about speeding, though. (laughs) We are doing things worthy of being thrown in jail, so we're pretty good, right? Well, Pastor Mark will teach us through the writings of the Apostle Paul that God's standard is a little bit higher than ours. Jesus, in fact, taught that our thoughts, not only our outward actions, were enough to condemn us in God's eyes. We'll learn that God's redemption through Christ is the only way to wipe our slate clean. Paul was praying that the people in Philippi would embrace this concept. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Philippians chapter 1 with his continuing study called Pray This Prayer. Being right with God produces fruit. What does that look like? So here's the prayer you want to write down. Pray. This would be your friend, husband, wife, neighbor, whatever. Your pastor, your pastors, your elders. Pray that Mark would grow in fruitfulness. These five areas of fruit. And as I do that, I reach the potential God has for me. That's why I'm here, to be fruitful. You say, well, Pastor Mark, are are you sure that's like what God wants from us, those at least five kinds of fruit? I'm absolutely sure. You're right in John 15. Go right on down to verse 16. Take a look. Notice what Jesus said. He says this, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you To do what? To go and bear fruit. See, when God saved you, he made the first move. You have to make the second move. God always makes the first move. He said, I chose you. And I appointed you. And I didn't choose you just to go to heaven right now. I want to be in heaven with you forever. That was my goal. But while you're on earth, I appointed you to go... And bear fruit. That goes all the way back to Ephesians 2.10. If you want to write in verse right there, just write right outside in the margins. 
Ephesians 2.10. That's where it goes back to. Verse 16, John 15.16 goes right back to Ephesians 2.10. So notice, in the original language, being fruitful is not an option. This is a commandment. And by the way, it's not just for pastors. It's for every single one of you. God has a potential for you every single day of your life in, in total. He has a potential. Now, let's take the first fruit that we talked about today. Godly character. How do I know I'm bearing that fruit? How do I know that's happening? Well, turn to Galatians chapter 5, if you will. About five books toward the back. Galatians chapter 5. Let me give you a little summary quickly. As you turn there, Paul is talking about a battle that all Christ followers have. When you got saved... God came and saved your spirit. But you were left with that old sinful nature, the sinful nature called the sin nature, the the old man, the natural man, lots of different things. That, That natural guy in me wants to live independent from God. If I need God, I'll call him. Other than that, I just want to do my thing. Well, that sinful nature fights the nature of the new spirit in me. That battle never ends. Now, I can win that battle by living by the Spirit. God gives me that power. But, of course, I have to yield to that. That's the Spirit-filled life. So in you today, if you're a Christ follower, there's a battle. Do this, please myself, or please God. And Paul begins to talk about this. And he says this, go down to verse 16. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you'll not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. In other words, if I do live by the Spirit, I I won't give in to that old sinful nature. And then in verse 17, he says, the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit. There's the battle. And the Spirit, what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with one another. And because of that, you do not do what you want to do. When we sin, we know it was wrong, but we did it because we gave in to that old sinful nature. But Paul says, wait a minute, don't do that. But if you are led by the Spirit, verse 18, you don't have to give in to that. Well, you say, well, Pastor Mark, what does that old nature look like? Well, it's simply sin. It's simply living apart from God. It's doing my thing instead of God's thing. Well, how do you define it? Paul defines it. Look at verse 19. Now, the acts of the sinful nature, by the way, all of this is inside of us. Well, they're obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies. Now, as you read that list this morning, you went... Praise God, Pastor Mark, I don't have any of those things in me. Well, Paul's not done. Look at the next thing. And the like, and the like. So you don't get a free pass at all. In us are all of these kind of crazy stuff. Have you ever done this? You might even be in church this morning. And all of a sudden, this lustful thought went by your mind. And you're going, where did that come from? I'm here in church. I've just been praising the Lord. It's worse if you're the pastor and it goes through your mind. You say, well, where'd that come from? That's my old nature. Is anybody out there know what I'm talking about? Or am I just, am I the only one here? 
I know I'm not. I know you. Now you might say, well, Pastor Mark, is it like, is that super important? Well, here's the key. Paul isn't talking about one time getting drunk. He isn't talking about one lustful thought, go to the beach, whatever, boom, that shouldn't have done that. What he's talking about is a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle of living like that. And if that lifestyle is in you, that's what rules you. I have to say to you this morning, you're probably not even a believer. Because that can't rule you. Now, how dangerous is it? You don't want to read the next part, but we need to. Look what Paul says. End of verse 21. And I warn you, as I did before, he wanted to make sure they understood it, that those who live like this, will not inherit the kingdom of God. You have no chance of going to heaven. See, all these people, they got wax everywhere. They look like they're a believer. They might be in a class, teaching a class, all kinds of stuff, but their life is ruled by this stuff. Don't think you're fooling God. You'll never get into heaven. But Paul, all the time, is talking here. We don't have to be like that. Oh, you're going to have those thoughts go through. You might slip and fall. We all do. But it's not a lifestyle. Because the Spirit of God gives you the power to say no to that kind of lifestyle. Now, if I say no to that kind of lifestyle, what fruit is produced in me? Well, the fruit we're talking about here is the character of God. Now, here's time for a seal a moment. Seal means just stop and think. In a moment, I'm going to read what the fruit looks like. This is God's potential for you. It starts with the word love, and then it expresses love in eight things. So as I read this, just ask yourself this morning, does that look like me? Is that who I am? Nobody's perfect, but that is the fruit that the Holy Spirit wants to produce in us. Look at verse 22. 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Then it expresses it with eight qualities. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, you can count on me, gentleness, self-control. How are you doing? See, that's, if I'm abiding that character of God, not perfectly, but that character of God is growing in me. It's happening in me. Now, here's something you have to understand. If you go to a vineyard, let's say early in the morning, nobody's up yet. Maybe you're staying at a bed and breakfast someplace, California. Go out to the vineyard. And you just walk the vineyard. You will not hear this. Oh, oh, if you do, check into a hospital. You say, Pastor Mark, what are you talking about? Listen to this statement. The branch does not bear fruit by struggling, but by abiding. We get it wrong. Pastor Mark, I want self-control. Okay. 
The other person across the room said, what in the world? I'm bearing self-control so I don't say what I want to say to you. (laughs) If you do that, tell him you go to some other church. No, it won't work by self. We don't produce the fruit. We bear it. It comes from abiding. You cannot manufacture the fruit of the Spirit. And it doesn't come from groaning. If I read my Bible two hours today, I'll have joy. No, it doesn't happen like that. It doesn't happen like that. Now, that doesn't mean we're passive. We do nothing. I'm just abiding. No, it means we're doing that through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, who wouldn't want people praying that prayer for you? I want people to pray that prayer for me. I want to have godly character. Now, remember what Jesus said. If I abide, I will bear fruit. It's not like it's not going to happen. It's a natural outgrowth of the Holy Spirit working through that vibrant, ongoing relationship. Fruit will be evident. That character, the nature of God, not perfect, but that nature will be there. That's what I want. Pray that for me. I know you want that prayer prayed for you. Well, it's more than just that. One of the other fruits is sharing the gospel with friends, with people, with unbelievers. Bringing them, bringing converts, which is fruit. Look what Paul would say, Romans 1.13. Notice what he says. He wanted to go to Rome. Why did Paul want to go to the city of Rome? He says this. I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, that I plan many times to visit you, but I was prevented until now. I want to work among you and see, notice these words, spiritual fruit. Just as I've seen among the other Gentiles. What is Paul praying for? Spiritual fruit. He's praying for converts. He wants to go to Rome because he had a heart just like God. Jesus came to seek and save that which was lost. And if I have this relationship, I'm going to have a heart for the lost because I know how vibrant this is. This is where life happens. And I want to share that goodness with other people. Paul wanted people to know, as he did, the knowledge of the gospel and how they could be forgiven and how they could go to heaven. So stop and ask yourself this morning, how are you doing? Are you sharing the gospel outside of this room? Are you inviting people to church? Do you care for the lost? You see, if I'm attached to the vine, I have to. Part of that fruit is converts. I can't force it, but I can be part of the process. Now, if you go to Calvary Chapel or if you've been here, we have five core commitments. They they all come from the Bible and they kind of direct us how we go. Here's one of them. Let me just remind you of what it is. Uh, Communicate the good news to everyone everywhere. That's a principle from the Word of God. 
The only way our churches grow is if you are looking for opportunities to communicate the good news to the lost. That is on mission. That is on message. That is fruit that we want to give to God. God, we brought these people and they got saved. That is what we want to do. Now, I told you about an incident of sharing my faith. At the Senior Pastors Conference last week, came back from Ontario, back into Atlanta, and then back to Melbourne. Well, on that first flight, remember, I was in that flight, and I was on the exit row right here in the end. And next to me was a Gentile guy, mid-30s, and father, and great husband. And next to him was a Jewish man. How many remember I gave you the whole story of the Jewish man? Good. This week, we're going to talk about this guy right here, the Gentile that was next to me. Well, when we got on the flight, we began to introduce ourselves and whatever. And they, at that point, I knew what they did. They worked for this special company, and I won't name it. It doesn't really matter. They knew I was a pastor. While we're sitting there, this man, Jewish man on the end, we're getting ready to take off. He's looking through the magazines, trying to find the Delta magazine, whatever they call it. But somebody had left an old magazine there, and he picked it up, and it was a men's exercise magazine. So he opened it. And you would think in a men's exercise magazine, you know, it's barbells and whatever. Well, there was a few of those, but mostly it was good ladies. And uh, they were well-dressed, a little, and uh, they were fruitful, to say the most. Well, he's flipping these pages, and the Gentile guy next to him, and I'm sitting over here, he says, you better be careful, the pastor's watching you. Hallelujah. I said, give me that book. I'll get rid of it for you. No, I did not. So I already knew there was something happening. Well, we began to talk. And I said to the Gentile guy, I said, "Uh, where do you go to church? He said, well, I really don't go to church. And I said, well, what do you mean? He said, well, my wife goes to church. Once in a while, she'll take the kids. Most of the time, she just goes with her mom. I said, what, you don't go to church? He said, they'll drag me a few times a year, but I really don't go. He said, the reason I don't go is when I started going with her, all they would talk about was money in church. Every week, here's your envelope, give your money, whatever. And I'm not talking against the church today, so it could be any church, just relax. Then he said this, you know, I was raised going eight years of religious training. So you already know he's raised a Catholic all these years. Could happen in our church here, just the same thing. He says, and I got kind of all I needed in those eight years. So what does that tell me about him? What does that tell you about him right now? Well, it tells me this, that he knows a lot about God. He knows rules, regulations, and rituals. But he doesn't know anything about a personal relationship with God. See, he's disconnected between this and how to live life in his everyday life. He has no idea that the Bible, although he studied it for eight years, for sure they do. He has no idea that this is connected to how he's to be a dad, a business person, a person in the environment, all the areas. He's totally disconnected. So I know where he's at. I can understand this. And so I just begin talking to him. I said, well, you know, you can come to our church and... We're certainly not a perfect church, but I teach the Bible for an hour. And he says, well, 
what do you mean for an hour? What, what do you do? I said, well, we just go through a book. Right now we're going through Philippians. And we'll just talk about it and give practical application for everyday life. That's how we do all of these things to our real lives. And then he made this great statement. He said, but the Bible isn't that big a book. <laughs> and he said, and I had to maintain his faith. He said, once you've taught it, what else is left? <laughs> so what does that tell me? He's thinking this is like the latest novel. You read it once, you kind of got the key thing. Give me a new one. And I said, no, you don't understand. This book is alive. I'll spend my whole life going through it and still not get it all. It's crammed full of good stuff. And he didn't get it at all. Many of you here today don't get it at all. See, it isn't a Bible study that once I do 12 of them, I've graduated. It's living. It's active. You can't ever accomplish all that's written here. So we talked a little more, and I just simply said this. I know you're basically a good man, moral man, whatever. But I said, you know what? I, I did it very kindly. You're clueless about how to really do life. And you're clueless about a personal relationship with God. It's not religion. And I said to him, you know, we're getting near Father's Day. Basically, you're to be the spiritual leader of your home. And he said, well, my wife is. And I said, that's all right, but that's not what God wants. You're to be the spiritual leader. And I said, beside that, you're to be the role model for your kids. Your kids are going to learn who God is by looking at you. And he said, well, to be honest with you, I'm going to let my kids decide what to do with God and religion when they get old enough. Very common statement. And I said, well, that's the problem. It's not about God and religion. It's about a relationship with God. And so I said to him, you know, I'm not here to talk to you about dead religion. God designed you to lead your family. You are to be the spiritual leader of your family. And I do know that you can do it, but right now you're clueless as how to do it. So I challenged him. Remember the other church that was in town, the Christian church? Uh, he's actually one that mentioned it first. I said, go to that church. The one that's jammed. The guy that I knew, the pastor that I knew. Great church. Great teacher of the word. You go there and you start listening. You will discover what I'm talking about. You can have a relationship with God. And it will affect you being a dad, a husband, a businessman in every area of your life. And then I just said to him as I'm sitting here, we didn't sit here by accident. God loves you. He wants to spend eternity with you. If you can't get it from that church, get online. Email me. And I've been praying for he and the Jewish men. Now, let me ask you. I could have spent that time being quiet. But God put me there for a reason. How about you? God put you there for a reason. In the circumstances where you're at, look for an open door. The thought of obeying God on our own can be daunting. Pastor Mark has been teaching that it's not about our ability to keep God's rules. It's about allowing God to work His righteousness into us. It then comes out through us and affects those around us. 
It's an amazing thing to experience the power of God changing us from what we were to what He wants us to be. You don't have to wait to hear another message from Lessons for Living. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com to access our archive of messages on various topics and books of the Bible. Subscribe to our podcast as well to receive updated teachings as soon as they're made available. We're so glad you joined us today and we'd love to connect with you. Feel free to contact us with your questions and prayer requests at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. The next message will mark the end of the teaching, Pray This Prayer for Me. Pastor Mark will continue teaching about the fruits that God wants to see developed in our lives. We'll learn what the outworking of those fruits look like, as well as the importance of keeping ourselves plugged into the trunk of the vine, Jesus, and the danger of becoming disconnected from Him. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast from all of the production team here at Lessons for Living. We want to say thank you for joining us and thank you for tuning in. Together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.